0: This Boss Barista episode is brought to you by Ernex. If you've worked in the coffee industry, you probably know Ernex well. You've used their products to clean your equipment. You've attended an event that they've supported. You're probably even using Kefiza at home to clean your pots and pans. One of Ernex's latest advances is a range of environmentally friendly cleaners called BioCaf. BioCAF products are made entirely from plant and mineral based ingredients and are fully biodegradable. They're available for both commercial and household coffee equipment, so you can use them at the cafe just as easily as you can use them at home. But Ernix is doing more than just making eco friendly cleaners. They've partnered with people like me and several other coffee professionals to highlight some of the best sustainability efforts in the industry with the BioCAF Sustainability Series. I'm super excited to be part of this initiative and to have another platform to share my thoughts on topics like sustainability. Visit the Ernex website to read my recent piece on Onyx Coffee Labs switched to oat milk in their latest cafe and learn more about BioCaf by visiting www.ernex.com. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity, and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. If you've listened to this show before, you know that I love interviewing partners, business partners, romantic partners, longtime friends and colleagues. I think you'll learn a lot when you're in close proximity to someone else. It's sort of like tasting a bunch of different coffees in a row. Alone? A coffee might exhibit one set of flavors, but when you taste coffee side by side, you see more in that original cup. You're able to make better, deeper insights about the coffee in contrast to the coffees around it. The same is really kind of true of anything. You might not be able to tell someone specifically how a Granny Smith apple tastes, for example, but you can describe it in juxtaposition to a Red Delicious or a Honeycrisp apple. Partnerships can have the power to clarify and sharpen traits, skills, and ideas. And that's especially true of Kalina Tiao and Chisum Nai, who goes by Sum, who are the co founders of Coffee Project New York. Originally started as a small shop in the East Village in 2015, Coffee Project has expanded to a number of retail stores, a roastery, and a specialty Coffee Association certified training lab. Sum is a Q grader which means she's passed rigorous tests to evaluate and taste coffees, and both Sum and Kalina take their roles as leaders seriously, even if that's not necessarily what they intended to do when they first opened. In this episode, we learn more about how the relationship to coffee and to each other and themselves has changed over time. Both Sum and Kalina believe in the power of education, using Coffee Project as a space to bring customers into the coffee world, They also strive to build meaningful careers for their staff, which is why they've grown their business to begin with. But they still know the value of leading by example and are always looking to learn and expand beyond their knowledge base. Here are Sam and Kalina. So I was hoping to start that both of you could introduce yourselves. Hi,
1: my name is Sam, and I'm the co-founder of Coffee Project New York. Hi, uh, my name is Kalina. I'm the other co-founder of Coffee Project New York.
0: I was wondering if both of you could share some of your earliest memories of coffee. Uh, let's start with you, Sam. My earliest memory of coffee, um, this
1: has to go way back to when I was in Malaysia. Um, so coffee in Malaysia is very cultural. It's not so much on drinking um, the coffee itself it's more like an experience with your parents or going hang out with your friends my first cup of coffee that I was dying to drink is actually when I was five I literally have to bag my way to like hey can I get a cup of like iced coffee that was the earliest memory I have with coffee and ever since then I've been (laughs) hope
0: what about you Kalina my family,
2: um, well, my great grandmother used to back in Malaysia too, uh, run a small little cart that sells uh, rice dumpling. And we always I remember we always had the rice dumpling with a cup of instant coffee, just black with sugar in it. And I remember, you know, just that's just how I eat them. Uh, and I guess like I started about the same age, about five or six. Yeah.
0: I love hearing stories of people, in and drinking coffee in childhood because it almost seems like, like mischievous in a way. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. hey, I want to drink that thing that you're that the adults are drinking. Like, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes like a lifelong love. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. How did you two meet? Um. So
1: I. He's also back in Malaysia. Um, So Kalina and I are college mates. Uh, We both did psychology major, and um, we were both enrolled in a mentorship program under UNICEF uh, that mentors uh, teenagers in um, schools that are a little bit underserved. So that's how we met over there. And um, I did two cycles. What about you, Kalina?
2: I think I did too, also. But uh, this was way back <laughs> in college. This was what, 15, 20 years? Wait, 15, 15, 15, 15 years, years ago. ago. Yes. Yeah, this was about 15 years ago. Yeah. So we were both um, volunteer mentors. And yeah, we, we met back then, but we were more like a high-bye friend.
1: <laughs> and we met again in New York City uh, because uh, I came here for work, she graduated from school. Um, and since then we started seeing each other and now we are very much together.
0: (laughs) How would you describe the other? I'm always, I I feel like I admit this in every interview I do, but I love partnerships. Like I love people who are in some sort of either like creative, romantic, whatever partnership, because I think that there's so much that the other person can say about the other. And I'm always interested how people describe each other. So I was wondering, Kalina, could you describe some? I was so scared you were going to direct <laughs> that question to me, Ashley. Oh, you're going. You're going next. You're going next. i <laughs> okay. not
1: running away from this. Kalina first. Alrighty.
2: So, uh, Sam is a really kind person. She's probably one of the kindest person I've ever met. Uh, our personality is similar in a way that we're both quite patient, but um, she's able to make decisions really quickly while I'll take my time. I'll research. I'll do things rather slowly. So it's like a a, a nice little balance. Mm. What do you think, some?
0: <laughs> <laughs> some said some of this while we were waiting for you to um, after after your phone call because I I alluded uh, to asking a couple of these questions and some was <laughs> like, yeah, I make decisions fast and Kalina 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 stops and thinks about them. <laughs> yep
1: yeah um so well, for me, uh if I were to describe Kalina, I think Kalina will probably be all the parts that I'm missing um like I mentioned I do things really quickly, um I learn a lot of things I'm really emotional, I like to do things um with my uh with my emotion, like my heart, so she is the person who's gonna help me think like. Are you sure you really want to do it? Do you know the consequences? Okay, you do? All right, go for it. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up.
0: I love that. Um, So at what point did you two decide, hey, we want to open a coffee shop. Let's go for it.
1: Well, that's going to be some story. Hmm. So uh, we started Coffee Project New York in 2015. And um. That was, I think my final push was because I was really tired from my previous job, and um, I wanted to do something together with Kalina that really belongs to us. So initial goal was just like, hey, maybe we can both quit our job and then start this coffee shop. We're going to be working six days, we're going to be closed one day so we can still rest. And then if we have to go back to Malaysia for vacation, we'll just close the store for three months. Never (coughs) happened.
0: (laughs) I was about to say, that didn't happen, did it? It
1: did not. Yeah, it did not happen. The sixth day didn't happen. Vacation did not happen. Um, we ended up like working 365, like 14 to 16 hours shift a day. Uh, but we were happy. We were very motivated to go to work. Um, we had a good time. And I don't know. I feel like this is when I really, truly live. What do you think, Kalina? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. I feel
2: like we were doing a project that we enjoyed, that both of us really enjoyed. And we got so many, I guess, advices from people saying that, you know, like you guys are dating, you shouldn't be working together. Uh, <laughs> we, we just went against all that. We did it anyway. It it, it worked, it worked. Just so you know, it, it worked.
0: <laughs> I I was about to say, so, you mentioned that this was sort of an idea that some had. So what was it like some when you, you know, you, you first brought this idea up to Kalina, like, Hey, this is a thing I want to do. Let's both quit our jobs and go do this thing.
1: I was pretty surprised. Remember we was saying that she's more of the brain and she's like sitting down and thinking about it, but it didn't take her long to say yes. Like she's like, sure, let's do it. Um, I think, she maybe she's also tired of me like coming back from work and keep complaining about my life but did nothing about it um it was very real for about three years or so um so when i finally make the decision it's like i think i want to do coffee she's like maybe in her heart she's like finally you said it
0: (laughs) kalina what did you feel when some came and said hey i want to do this thing
2: It is definitely a little bit of that. I'm not going to lie. She will come home from her previous job uh, really like discouraged and really tired and really burned out. Um, She wanted to do something different and I really wanted to encourage that. And it just so happened that coffee is something that we both love. Um, When she came up with the idea of opening a coffee shop, I just said yeah let's do it and as we were planning we realized that oh well i guess you know if both of us were working uh, we can save on some labor costs and uh, we're in our 20s you know i guess if this is a mistake it's fine <laughs> you know we'll, we'll 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 be okay if if this fail and then we have to redo something else
0: you talked a little bit about those first couple of I guess, maybe weeks or months when you were working 16 or 18 hour days and having this vision of, oh, we'll both work and have a day off and maybe one day we'll close up for three months and go on vacation. But it seems like you quickly learned that there was a lot more, a lot more happening, and a lot more that you had to do. So I was wondering what those first couple of months were like for both of you.
1: Um, pretty stressful. Yeah, but um I think it's because my nature, like my personality, I'm not someone who gets angry easily or get agitated or stressed. I get stressed, but I'm not the loud stress. So, it helps a lot with our relationship, especially like we were so tired sometimes, so we might have like not being able to talk to each other much or um I think during that point of time Um, we are both very compassionate to each other. Like, I know Kalina's tired, then maybe I'll take care of certain things out of her way. Um, Kalina knows that maybe taking up calls and doing certain paperwork is not my gig. She would volunteer to do it. So there's a lot of, like, compromise and there's a lot of respect for both of us. I think that was the, like, right now, if I were to, like, think about it, um, if we can go through that period of time with 14 and 16 hours of harsh work, like worrying about money and things, I don't think so. There's anything else that we can't go through right now.
2: Yeah, you're right. Um, I remember when we first started, uh, we, of course, we, were, we could only afford a really small storefront in East Village um, on the side street. And of course, you know, without visibility for any business it's it's not good, uh especially at the very beginning uh you you're built up towards you know getting a constant flow of customer is definitely way slower on the side street so we we had luckily we did have uh, neighbors who were really supportive on that street uh. Like some said, we had to, we were on our feet, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, and you don't see a lot of customer coming in. You know you're depleting your cash flow, you are stressed, uh, and you're tired. But having the support of uh, your neighbors, we had amazing neighbors back then. Um, these are people who have lived in East Village for like 30, 40 years. They would come by. They will buy a cup of coffee and they'll sit in the shop and, you know, and they'll tell you, hey, you know, it's going to be OK, darling. You're going to be all right. You know, uh, people just need to know that you're here. And that kind of helped keep us going yeah, at the that helped very us.
1: beginning. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I also remember that some of them are still here and we're still keeping in touch. Um, I remember the first time we launched our loyalty card program because everyone in the neighborhood is doing it. Um, and I started punch, punching their stem for uh, the regulars who come in. And literally, they gave it back to me and said, and like, uh-uh, I'm not taking this until you make your first dollar. I was so touched. And I'm like, you know what? If I ever make my first dollar, your coffee is going to be on me for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, but that is how we, we went through it the first few months.
0: When did you start to see a turning point because you know you're talking about 2015 and those first couple of months in the struggle of opening a coffee shop but we're in 2021 and you have multiple shops you have a roastery you have an SCA training lab like you there's a lot happening at Coffee projects. so I have to imagine there was a point where like the momentum started you know what I mean mm.
1: um well Turning point for the first shop happened pretty quickly because um, we have been having all these loving people who come into the shop and hang out. So people starting to notice us. Like when they pass by, they oh, it's a coffee shop, and people start coming in. But the real turning point for us to decide on how our expansion and all, I think it happened um, in 2016 when we had our first turnover. Like um, we had staff back then, like three full time, very good stuff. like uh, we're still keeping in touch right now but at that point of time everybody needs to do something else like live New York City uh, got another job that pays better uh, with growth and also going back to school so we realized that maybe for us both we we are content with just a shop and we're making money um, but for a lot of people they're they're looking for uh, like Pursuing more in coffee, growing, um, and then I realized that things has to change. So I took my cue when I was uh, when during that time because if I were to lead a group of people who really want and love coffee, then I have to lead by example. And that's when also I told Kalina like maybe we can both start to be really serious about the coffee education. Brewing coffee, bringing pour up and answer the question that the customer has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the time where we re- realized
0: that things has to change. That's really interesting because I've only heard maybe so many people cite the needs of their staff as a reason for growing and expanding. Because um, I imagine, you know, you work in retail, you probably hear people talk about growth all the time, or like what they need to do to turn over that next step but i think really responsible growth happens for a reason like you need to build better jobs for your staff or you have to address like how busy your your coffee shop is or something like that mm-hmm. so i was wondering I was wondering if you could talk a little more about that decision because it's not evident that that would be the thing that you have to do, right? Like, you could have just said, like, oh, this is a coffee shop that's for us. We want to keep it small. And, like, we're okay with people kind of staying here as long as they need, and that's all right. Um, I'm so glad you asked this question, Ashley.
1: So um, um, I'm going to start with, like, both of us. Honestly, if we only have one shop and we really go with that direction of, like, Keep having the turnaround of uh, human resource and we keep training and all. It is actually less stressful um, and a lot e- a lot easier to handle. Um, but we met so many wonderful people when we were opening uh, when we were opening uh, Coffee Project New York. Like the people who come into Coffee Project New York to be a barista. they are great people who really believe in coffee being their career and not just there to pay bills. It changed my mind a little bit about why I want to do coffee. It also changed my mind a little bit about how I can be part of the journey for them to make coffee as a career. Because a lot of our barista struggles to tell their parents or their family like, hey, I like to do coffee. I think coffee is my thing. But Everyone is worried about, you know, if you're a coffee person or you're a barista, you can't afford to pay bills or like you can't afford this and that. I want to change this, actually. I want them to be able to, like, do the things you love to do, be very proud on the competition stage, and at the same time, afford a car, afford an apartment, and eventually go on vacation. So this is my dream for Coffee Project. Oh, it's <laughs> so much. But yes, that's, that's how I feel about it,
0: the growth. I love that. I love that. I love that you also were able to talk about how that like changed your mind too cuz like you said it's not evident it's not evident especially when you open a business for the first time and you have this vision of what it's going to be hey me and my partner are going to open a coffee shop that's going to be like a place where we can you know quit our jobs and and find a little bit more happiness even if we're working hard and then to see things happen and be like oh I need to change my perspective or maybe the way that I thought about something isn't actually what I'm seeing in front of me. How do I respond to this? And you responded, you know, really, like I said, really strongly, like you have a training lab, you have a roastery. And I imagine that those things weren't in the plans when you first opened. (laughs) It
1: it is not in the plan. And um, one thing that I think Kalia and I are really proud of the team or Coffee Project as a company is up to now, every single position in the company that is not barista they all start from a barista in Coffee Project. So we have the tech person who is the barista, still a barista. We have our uh, production lead, which is a barista, also moving on to learning how to roast from us. And then um, we have operation manager. We have the store manager. Everybody start as a barista in Coffee Project, and they know how to get things done and grow along. Um, the culture, the company culture. So this is something that Kalina and I are very proud of.
0: As Coffee Project has grown and you've added more positions, you've added more branches, like now you're roasting, you have an operations manager. What have you learned about yourselves as leaders? Was that a difficult transition for either of you?
2: Um, I think in generally, uh, not really. I guess for us in the past, I guess our, our previous experience, like we volunteer in mentoring programs, uh, we take part. I, I don't know about you, so back in school, but I mean, I did a lot of um, activities, like planning activities and stuff. So it's it's sort of in, I guess, in my life that we've been, I've been doing things like this, but uh, as a shop owner. Then when you know it comes to the point where you realize that you have to be the leader of um, a company, and this company no longer uh, just comprised of you and you know some like me and some, you you I guess it it takes me longer to it takes me longer to like I guess like let that sink in mm. and then but after. I realized like, okay, now we have a team and now we just have to get things done. Uh, that, from that point onwards, it just pretty much launched. And I don't think it was a very difficult uh,
1: transition for me. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? Um, Sometimes I self-reflect a little bit about what uh, what is my style of leading this company. Um, I think a lot of things has changed for me. Um, I learned how to listen a lot more Mm -hmm. compared to just the lead. I also learned how to follow. I think this is um, really important for me right now. So back then when I started Coffee Project, I have my ideal, I have my goal. I'm very persistent about certain ways, certain things being done. Um, But if I didn't listen to what the customer wants, um, I probably will not be able to step out of whatever they've built earlier. And I will be just so fixated on doing what I think and visualize. coffee project is. Oh, an espresso bar without drip coffee. Um, it's just going to be pour over, um, very strict, uh, very pure. Um, yeah, but I listen to what the neighborhood wants. They want a shop where um, they can hang out and not being judged for drinking certain coffee and things like that. And as the team grow, I think for me, the listening part became even more important because once we have a team that uh, once we once the team grow, Helena and I step away a little bit more from being the front, but we're no longer stuck behind bar pulling shots all day long because we have to be more of a planner. We still have bar shift, but we don't we're not there as often anymore. So listening become even more important. You have to listen to your team to tell you like, hey, this is how it probably be. It will be helpful if we have this, da, da, da. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just switch from being so fixated on what I want to do to just open up and listen to what people want.
0: Kalina, you said something really interesting about mentorship. Mm-hmm which I thought was a really interesting analogy to being a leader because I don't think a lot of people would make that jump. I don't think people would say, I've mentored people before and I've helped them be successful in their own lives or figure out a path for themselves. Therefore, I have experience in leadership. I don't think everybody would say that leadership is, in a way, Mm. really like mentoring folks, you know?
2: Mm Mm-hmm it it is i personally think it is because like for example in the company when we are doing certain things or coming up with certain roles or having to fill certain position you always or we always try to align our goal with the individual's goal mm-hmm. like if you if you have the same if you're heading the same direction as your team members then I feel like, you know, it's a win win situation. Like they enjoy the work that they're doing. And you, on the other hand, you know, uh, you're growing your company in a direction that you wanted it, uh, it to grow. And we like, until today, we're still uh I don't know if some mentioned to you, like we're working with uh, YOU Boston, which is sort of like a youth group. Uh, We're just sort of continuing that mentorship thing. We're not working as mentors, but now um, we're training young individuals Mm -hmm. on coffee skills to hopefully, you know, help them uh, launch like an early uh, career or like getting a a foot in uh, starting in the coffee world. So yeah, that's that's what we I guess that's what we do,
1: huh?
0: It seems like education is a big part of your business model in general. Like you opened that SCA training center, and when I talked to some for the Matchbook Coffee Project podcast, we talked a lot about customers being able to enter the coffee shop and not feel like they needed, you know, all this experience in coffee or this knowledge about coffee to come order something from you folks and to learn about coffee. So how has education always been part of your model?
1: Um, Education, when we started, maybe not, because ultimately I was just, I just want to serve a cup of good coffee. But as we grow, I realized that education is important in a way that it provides us a platform to standardize a lot of things. Um, So Kalina will be able to explain a little bit more like how Education has helped us train our baristas for consistency. I think it's just having a ground for us to train, even if it's not the SCA standard. It is. It gives us the protocol on what to do with our training. Hmm. And actually,
2: when when you actually when you're asking about the question, I what what came to mind was a little different. Um, I was thinking more on. You know, when we launched our Deconstructed Latte, Mm. we wanted to be able to share, um, I guess our love for coffee in a very friendly way. So a Deconstructed Latte, it's just like the word suggests, there is a shell of espresso, there's steamed milk, and then there's a latte at the end. Um, We realized that a lot of people who are not in coffee are not very familiar with espresso. Like we had people, who will drink lattes um, for days and never had a shot of espresso. And so it's very hard for people to appreciate uh, a good shot of espresso comes from, you know, good quality beans and good skills from the barista. So that was, I guess, our first step into trying to not educate, but more like to share knowledge uh, to let people know that, hey, you know, if you have good quality beans, you have good baristas, uh, you're going to be able to enjoy a really good cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And down the road, um, when we realized, so it's not always a bed of roses. Uh, when we started the shop, you, we would have people come in, like, or rather open the door. It's a very small shop. So they opened the door and they saw two Asian women standing behind bar, and then they just closed the door and left. Uh, and it, it didn't just happen once. So, what at that point of time, what we felt was if, you know, if I want to say something about coffee and have people, um, I guess, respect what I'm saying, uh, the first thing that I can do is to educate myself. Um, and then, like, like some said, uh, to lead by example, which encouraged, like, she got encouraged to take the Q grading exam and became a Q grader. So for us, it's really, for me, I feel like it's, it's like, that's how we launch into education. And then we realized that uh, people come in, a lot of team members from different coffee backgrounds have different standards because different shops are doing things differently and that's absolutely okay. But what we realized that, oh, was that if we can create a space That provides a certain, just like a certain standard, Uh, like, you know, we have an SCA lab and SCA has their standards, Um, but that would work as a basis for, you know, let's talk about espresso and these are the, the things that you need to know. Uh, because these these are like SEA standards. But if you want to do something else, uh, you also have the background knowledge of explaining why you're not following the standards or why your specs are out of the standards. It's just uh, creating, I guess, like a language where we can communicate mm-hmm. with, with everyone.
0: It's almost like learning the rules so that you can break them later. I was wondering. I'm gonna ask you a very broad question, so f- <laughs> feel free to answer it any way that you see fit. Mm-hmm. But how do you approach coffee? How do I approach coffee? Like,
1: um, so what do you mean by how do I approach coffee?
0: <laughs> how do you approach? I don't know. It's it, in in a way because you folks do kind of everything. You roast. Uh, you source, you have retail shops, you have a wholesale program. So I imagine with such a big umbrella, you have to think about some pretty big ideas.
1: Mm. Oh, so I I got you now. Um, So I think um, I'm very flexible with what I get for coffee. Like when I have my hands on any coffee, I want to be as creative as possible with it, which is why with my matchbook release, actually I was picking a coffee that I've never had before. haven't seen before because I feel like it will allow me to be really creative with that. So my approach for coffee is I want to usually just learn what this coffee <laughs> is first by taking, um, whatever measurement I can or learn the terra, learn the farm. But after that I will be totally like, we will go totally crazy about it. Um, my last birthday, uh, my team got me a rum barrel, a used rum barrel, because they thought that I think some will appreciate this. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna throw a bunch of coffees into it, <laughs> and I'm gonna <laughs> age it, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be roasting it uh, with my like with the team just for fun and see how it
0: tastes like. I love that people thought. Oh, some is really going to like this rum barrel. Like this is the present that we thought of for some.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I literally walk into like a barrel and then they were like, I think they were trying to surprise me. And then like, but the barrel is so big and I see it right away. (laughs) How did that
0: coffee end up tasting?
1: Um, so we haven't done it yet. Uh, in fact, it is still in progress because I think we have to age it for at least three weeks to see if it's going to absorb anything from the <laughs> rum or if there's anything left in the rum barrel for us to take, actually. <laughs>
0: um, so let's talk a little bit about the future because I think we've set a pretty good foundation for why Coffee Project started, how Coffee Project has changed, but... That is, there's still so much happening with you folks. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what the future looks like for you.
1: Um, short-term goals, I think for me, I just hope that our wholesale program can expand um, because we would really love to see more coffee shop carry us um, and share our story with their people. And that being said, when we have more wholesale clients, I will have the ability uh, and the purchasing power to support uh, farms and also producers that I would love to have a relationship with. So this is my short term goal. Um, Long term goal, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, I wish that everyone who is here with Coffee Project can afford a vacation, afford a car, afford an apartment (laughs) or do whatever they want to do at the same time being coffee. so small steps for us. Um, do we want more coffee shop? I think the answers will be yes, um, because we have a training facility. So we are hoping that uh, we can create a training program that also do part of what Kalina mentioned, mentorship. Like when you graduate from our program, we can send you to some of the retail stores that we have. And then you would continue to be a barista there, sharpen your skill. And eventually, if you fall in love with handling that shop, maybe you can even be a partner or um, things like that. So it's so all in the plan um, that I hope that it would happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We, I don't know if you
2: should mention it, uh, like Project Noah is happening. Oh, right. Emily is right. happening. Amelia is right. happening.
1: Right. Right. Um, so, Totally forgot about that. <laughs> um, so this is uh, so let's talk about Project Noir. Um, we so the team of baristas are really creative. They always like to do creative drinks, but we don't really have like a license, so they can't really play around too much with alcohol. Um, but some of us are actually interested to compete in uh, coffee and good spirits. So to create that stage for them uh, we were lucky enough to partner up with Chris Dunlop um, who is um, I I don't I'm not very familiar with her previous title uh, but he is very well versed with uh, bartending and has been doing and has been in this industry for a very very long time so we partnered up and started uh, Project Noir and it's going to be coming in hopefully in a month and um, then we'll have liquor license, we'll be able to have a ground for our braces to train for our baristas, uh Coffee and Good Spirits, and maybe we can send some people to compete.
0: That's so exciting. So I'm going to come back to some of the things that we talked about and maybe push you a little bit further. Um, Again, because I'm very, very interested in partnerships and how people change and grow and evolve as as time passes. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how your relationship to each other has changed or maybe deepened since being business partners. Because I have to imagine it's very different to go from we're together, we're partners in one way to then jump into a totally different relationship with each other. And I wonder, like, how has that, what has that looked like for, for either of you? I'm going to start with Kalina.
1: Mm.
2: I think uh, after we work together, I think we trust each other a little bit more. I mean, we we generally are quite trusting, <laughs> but I feel like working together really did build that trust a lot. Um, and I think it helped um, nourish that trust. So I guess we're very, we're not, we're, we're quite mellow <laughs> in personality. So we don't argue much, but we can be really honest with each other in terms of if I think something is a bad idea. <laughs> I will let her know, um, and then of course, you know, uh, we will each defend our point, points and then come to a conclusion. <laughs> I guess we are able to come to a conclusion on most things. Yeah, on most
1: things. <laughs> um, what about you, Sam? For me, um, I think my relationship with Selena definitely uh, really deepened a lot. Um, being in the same location to work and at the same time living together make me understand her personality even more and um I get to I get to gauge what are the things that she likes to do and she is good at and um I would ask her like that's a lot of respect even though we are at work or at home um this respect being respectful has always been something that we don't take for granted yeah and we respect each other's time um so I guess for me what changes um it's literally just me understanding Kalina a lot more uh, compared to when we were not working together yeah and I know when she sang Risa I would buzz off as well
0: I think something that's so interesting about listening to the two of you speak to each other is how often you both check in with each other. Like how often you ask for the other person's opinion or, hey, what do you think? Um, Which I have to imagine is partially just due to the strength of your relationship, but probably also comes from the fact that you do own a business together and you have to check in with each other all the time.
1: Hmm. Um, But we're also very comfortable sometimes just make decision on each other's behalf if it is not something that's related to a lot of money <laughs> or, like, um, or like what's for dinner because this is something that we have to discuss <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah uh, I'm very um, comfortable with Kalina making decision for me as to how sometimes I would just make certain decision for her as well because um, I think it's it's just a level of trust that we've built throughout.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, one of the places that I worked at a long time ago, one of the things that just hampered any growth or progress was uh, a lack of trust. So Mm. no one could make small decisions without checking in with everybody because no one trusted each other. Mm. So I like that you pointed that part out too. Uh, partially because trust is super important, but partially because there are some decisions that are really not that important. Like what you eat for dinner is maybe not that important. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, like, do you want like this, th- like, like this cutting board or this cutting board for the pastries in your coffee shop? Maybe not that important. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is very important. Um, but, but I think that there is a power to being able to say like, I don't need to weigh in on this. Like, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing when the other person maybe it's like, okay, I think Kalina would be okay if I did this. Or I think some would trust me to make this decision and know that like, I'm going to make the best decision for the business, even if maybe that's not the decision that they would make in that moment. Wow.
1: I love the last part that you said it. So a lot of times, like a lot of people will sit on trying to make a decision for the, like hesitate and all that. I make decision very, very quickly um, because there's always something that I always hold on to is I feel like any decision that you're making at that point of time is always going to be the best decision you've made given that circumstances. Like at that moment, you will never try to make a decision that's going to jeopardize yourself. So I will not beat myself up if my decision is not as good and I realize it like two days later because at that point of time, it is the best decision that I've made. It is
2: right, great, yeah. And I think you also apply kind uh, of that principle not just in business, but to to our team members too. Because like, if someone would make a mistake, like we trust that you know you didn't do it on purpose, you know, and you were making the best decision uh, <laughs> that you can at that point of time.
0: Yeah. That's incredibly important to think about when you think about having employees, too, because I think it's easy for leaders to be like, oh, you did a thing that I would not have done, and now I'm mad at you. But instead, you're like, you made a decision that you thought was best, and that's okay if it was a mistake, because I know that your intention was right, so how can we talk about this so that the next time your decision is maybe different, or mm-hmm. I can try to understand like what you were thinking about so mm-hmm. that we can come together and make a decision together that that makes more sense. I think that that's super powerful. And that's, I think, a a trait not to be ignored. Yeah, and
1: mm. and if that really were to happen, we shouldn't leave them alone to take care of their circumstances. You know, we have to go with them because in essentially they fail to do their job because you fail to guide them.
0: What do you want people to know about you listening to this?
1: Um, I think maybe Coffee Project New York jumped out a little bit from just being a retail coffee shop. I would like people to learn a little bit more about us as a roaster, um, that we have a wholesale program, that we are trying to expand our wholesale account and share our coffee story. What about you, Colleen? I was just going to say we're a pretty cool company. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm, all right.
2: <laughs> In the sense, hey, if you, you know, if we have any openings, you're looking for a job, hey, um, join us. <laughs> we're pretty <Okay>. inclusive.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. This has been such a fun conversation and I really appreciate your time. Thank Likewise. you. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. That was Chisam Nye and Kalina Tiao, co-founders of Coffee Project New York. Keep in touch with what they're up to, including Project Noir, by following them on Instagram at Coffee Project New York. Thanks, folks, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com bossbarista boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us. That would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and boss underscore barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.